0: It's another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu and joining me today, Texans football analyst, sideline reporter. You hear him on Texans All Access. You see him on Texans TV. You see him on Telestrator. You see him on everything. It's my good friend, John Harris. How are you doing today, Johnny? I'm good,
1: D.P. I like being on Deep Slant. Thank you very much for having me. This, this is always fun. I, a lot of times it's me and you when you jump on All Access or something like that, but I love being on Deep Slant. I, I've said this before. Wednesday night, when I have my Deep Slant interview, I always play at the second segment of every show, no matter who you're talking with, and I it's it's fascinating. It's the one interview that I play that I listen all the way. Well, thank no you No offense very to much. others, but I always listen to that one from the beginning because I always learn something about the players that I didn't know. Like Zach Cunningham last year and just his love of music and what he's able to it – fan, it's fantastic. So you know, I like being on Deep Slant. Well,
0: thank you. I really enjoy – and I love being on your off-season shows. I don't know how you come up with all these – zany topics it's a very long off season uh about the deep slant it's funny that you mentioned that because i did a a deep slant with whitney merciless Mm -hmm. maybe two seasons ago i think it was 2016 and i've interviewed whitney a number of times yeah but chester pitts former texan ambassador Mm -hmm. chester pitts came up to me and he said i really enjoyed your whitney merciless interview he's like i was in my car i was wherever wherever he needed to go he had reached there. Yeah. He goes, I could not get out of the car because I had to finish listening to what you all were talking about. <laughs> and I was like, what were we talking about? Were we talking about Whitney's past rushing skills? No. Were you talking about Whitney um, facing the Jags that Sunday? No. I was like, well, what were we talking about? He goes, you were asking Whitney. Whitney's mom used to work. Uh, his parents are from Haiti. Yeah. His mom worked two jobs and she was a nurse, but she also worked at a department store. And <laughs> we were talking about what she actually did at the department store. <laughs> Like, the most – the tiniest thing of details. But Whitney was like, oh, she used to fold clothes, and she worked in this department, then she also did this. And so we were just talking about, like, all the different random jobs his parents did, and Chester found that fascinating, which I thought was really funny because sometimes you think people want to hear the the really – the football-centric stuff, but I feel like the guys that I know that are the most into football, like you or Chester Pitts, you guys actually enjoy the other things more.
1: I I love them. Is there – is there a particular player that you have not had the opportunity to do a deep slant that you absolutely, without question, want to do? I
0: mean, Deshaun Watson, yeah, of course. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So it, last year being a rookie, he was sort of off limits because he had a lot to sure. to learn about. Um, I would love to get the Honey Badger. Oh, yeah. Because he worked out at the same gym as me when he was uh, working his way uh, to the NFL draft. Right,
1: right, right. And so
0: I knew that he was around. He was, he was training with uh, the former Rocket. John Lucas. Uh, John Lucas, mm-hmm. right. And so I I'd heard the, the buzz that he was there. He was working out with him. So, yeah. you know, I just kind of want to delve into that and, and everything he went through. So I would, yeah, I would but... love to get a chance to interview him. But you know what? I, you get some really great stories. We had Chris Polk a few years ago. Yeah,
1: I remember that. That was excellent. Bang, bang, bang was...
0: chicken and shrimp. That's yeah. probably one of my favorites because yeah. he was such Chris a cheerful, Balk. happy guy. And he actually broke down. And got choked up on the deep slant because we were talking about, something about his mom came up. Yeah, I always end up talking to these players about their moms. Maybe <laughs> because I'm a mom and I'm drawn to these questions. But they yeah. really open up when you start talking about family life. And he was telling me how she was working her way through nursing school. Um, she was studying at night. They were living out of a car. And she would park under a street light so she could study her books. And they would eat, like, convenience store food whenever they had a chance. <sighs> and so That's now she try. comes to all of his games. Unbelievable. Unbelievable yeah. story.
1: I mean, that's that's the one thing to me is you know, there'll be 90 guys or thereabouts. Um, I know it's probably short of that because you got rookies and everything coming in. So it's going to be short of 90 guys coming in on the 16th for the first phase of the offseason starting April 16th. And when those guys walk in, a lot of them, We've heard we've heard JJ's story about going to Central Michigan and then going being a walk on Wisconsin. You know, we feel like we know the stories of some of these guys, right? But the stories that these guys have and them being able to tell it—the story of Carlos Watkins and and his car accident—is—is right. is, I mean, oh, I I read about it when he was a senior, his final. Year. I read about it not not when the Texas drafted him, but even before that. I read about the accident. I was like, whoa! I, I mean, I had no idea. But these guys have such unique stories and how they get there. And everybody thinks, well, you know, they've been great athletes. and this. But, man, some of these guys have faced some really some adversity in their lives, be it family, be it circumstantial, you know, something like Carlos with the car accident. I mean, my goodness, and he's able to come, come back from that and be a draft pick. Uh, DJ Reader, obviously those guys were teammates and dealing with his father. These guys have such amazing stories that I, I love to get into. There was a guy, and I'm trying to remember where he went, but it was it was an L.A. Times story, and if, I think he visited here for the Texans. His name was Thompson. He was a safety for the University of Minnesota, and he was featured on a documentary about where he lived in this town in California. And it, it used to be like a, a like a tourist attraction. People used to go there all the time. In there Minnesota used to be a lot of tourists? No, in California. He lived in, in California. California. Oh, okay, I got you. And. Over time, something had happened, and I can't remember what happened, but something happened to which the town completely went the opposite direction. It used to be this place that everybody would go in like the 60s and 70s, and then things changed dramatically. And then it really became almost like a ghost town. And reading a story about him having to deal like where he went to high school and how he came up, I was floored. I was reading this in my draft prep, and I thought, oh my god i want the texans to draft him just so i can i can i just want to talk the about the story it was the most unbelievable story and i made a documentary out of it i can't remember the title of it was was haunting as just the title of it you realize wow and then he and his his i think his younger brother i think they both went off and played college football but he went from california and then he went to junior college and he ended up going to the university of minnesota and just an incredible, incredible story. But those are the things that, you know, throughout the NFL, you know, we see the stars. We see the guys that everybody knows. But all these guys have tremendous stories. They all stories. have great stories. Yeah. I, really and I, interesting. I think
0: that humanizes them a lot because yeah, people think they're NFL players. They're athletes. They've just been born with this amazing yeah. talent. But, you know, they've battled through a lot of adversity and the, the backgrounds and their stories. Oh, just make them so unique. In fact, you mentioned the draft process. I definitely yeah. want to talk to you about your process, what goes into the Harris 100. I think – And I'll I'll give you a tidbit on how you can incorporate the deep slant into the Harris 100. But first, I want to let people know, don't forget to subscribe to the deep slant on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave a review. All right, Johnny, uh, Harris 100 version one's out. Version two's coming out very soon. We're less than three weeks away from the draft. I want to ask you, first of all, about the deep slant and the Harris 100. I think you should add a little bullet point, like interesting fact
1: yeah you know i try to put those in there when i can is that just
0: too much for a hundred guys because what if a guy doesn't have an interesting fact or less interesting
1: no it really isn't i mean i i try to put those in there when i when i know it's in the text yeah yeah. i mean i try to put it in there but the the way that (laughs) it's funny because version two is actually is done i'm not trying to sell anybody out here uh but just the work that goes into taking my stuff and then turning it into what it looks like on the website is unbelievable. Anav Leibowitz and her brother have, I mean, Anav has been incredible on in this and she has been the driving force behind what it looks like and how it looks and how it's presented. I mean, it's been incredible. But the one thing that I do typically is I usually write in kind of scout speak. So I write just little short, you know, little, little blurbs, you, you know, uh, excellent quickness, love is transitional quickness, uh, love his striking ability boy he really gets hurt by speed you know i write a little short i don't write you know full-on sentences it's not like an
0: essay form right? so
1: she took so usually i just kind of do a bullet point kind of thing so to your point i would you know i put something in there but she took it and made it all read like a like a paragraph ah, you know, like like a little story so she kind of she kind of added all of it and so i had to kind of adapt and adjust and write everything that way but i try and put some I try and put some nuggets in there when I when I know them about particular players, and I try to I try to I try to know something that's a little bit unique about all of them as as best I possibly can. But some of the you know some of the you know, hundred guys, you know, it's like oh, it's only a hundred guys. You know, teams have got to know two hundred guys or whatever. I'm like, well, you know, I'm 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 one person, so you I, don't have I try. a try. You don't have
0: a staff of people <laughs> no. watching. You're watching. No. You watch, and I, this is fascinating to me because every time I see you whether it's during the season, whether it's during the off-season, you're watching film on somebody. Yeah. And sometimes you'll make a little note about somebody to look at them for the next year. Yeah. So I want to get into your process. Okay, first of all, version 1 to version 2, how much changes?
1: There's going to be some changes because version 1 I, I got done before probably uh, about a week, maybe two weeks before the combine. And the combine is sort of a, a fulcrum point for for two reasons. Number one, the It is it is a pretty important measurement tool. It is not the only measurement tool. I don't right. Want, I don't, people oftentimes, oh, the combine is where everything and It's not where everything changes. But what it does is it, it, it puts a stamp on a lot of guys. You know, some scouts have a feeling about a guy, and then they're like, well, I think he's pretty fast. I'm pretty sure he's pretty fast. I think he's pretty strong. And then all of a sudden he goes out and he does it. They put the stamp on it. They feel good about it, and away you go. So, But that's also – it also gives me some time, too, to catch up on – maybe some guys that I wasn't focused on. A lot of times what happens is I'll try and stay up on as many guys as I possibly can that I think that, well, the seniors for sure. And so the senior bowl, those guys I try and have out of the way and have, you know, locked in and I'm ready. But a lot of the guys that will sneak up on me are the ones that declare early. And we're seeing more and more of that. Yes. And it's funny. I talked, uh, I talked with um, a couple of general managers about this actually over the, over the how many of the years, and they've said that in the last few years they have really put into process studying the underclassmen a lot more than they ever have to have to or they'd be behind. So you're
0: not just studying who you think is going to declare. you got you to think ahead. i got to study as many of them as I,
1: as I think will. will. And here's a, here's a great example of, of one. Jesse Bates is a safety at Wake Forest, and really good player, and on, I didn't have him on the original version of the 100. Because I didn't think I didn't know he, I didn't think he was going to declare. I had, I had no real inkling that he was going to, and he was a junior. He was a redshirt junior, and that was a good player. I just didn't think he was going to declare, and so I had really done no pre-work on him. Roquan Smith, on the other hand, from Georgia, was a guy that I'd watched throughout the year and thought, okay, this guy I think is going to declare for the draft, and I had done a bunch of pre-work, so I was ready to go. And those are just two examples. And so in that time between – Right before the combine, those two weeks before the combine, then the combine, there's some time for me to go back and look at players. And Jesse Bates was one of them. And I went back and looked at him and went, whoa, this guy's got to be in my 100. i got to put him in there. So it gives me a little bit of time to go back and study some of the guys that I haven't had a chance to look at because maybe they declared late or I just maybe wasn't up on a guy. Ian Thomas another one from Indiana. He was a guy that he didn't have a lot of catches at Indiana. He had about 25, 26. But of those, five on one for touchdowns. And so he was at the Senior Bowl, and when he was at the Senior Bowl, he was with the Texan staff, and so I watched him pretty close, and I went, okay, he'll be in the 100 this second time. Then he had good testing at the Combine, and so been, version two comes out, So down, how, how many
0: let, let me stop you right there. How many games of a player do you have to watch before you can make your evaluation? I assume it can't just be one game. No, and no, It can't be no. just two games.
1: No. I, the, the thing is, the, the best thing, when I was at the Senior Bowl, It's funny, I've been been doing this for a long time, but now having the access to go to the Senior Bowl and go to the Combine, I get a chance to see these guys up close. But I think the biggest thing that helps me in doing all this is being in the locker room. So I see on a daily basis what NFL players are supposed to look like. And that's helped my process a lot because I don't just watch a guy on TV. I get a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl. I get a chance to see them live, literally right in front of me at the Combine. I see what they actually look like. Could that guy walk into our locker room and be a you know be a player for that's kind of how I look at it even though it might not be the right position, it's a guy that I think could he go into our locker room that's actually helped so I'll watch, man, okay. it, it can it can depend some guys I'll watch two three games oh okay um, maybe more um, for for certain guys like for uh, offensive tackles take Orlando Brown for instance for Orlando Brown I've watched I watched two games from actually last year from twenty sixteen. And then I watched the Rose Bowl. I watched the game against TCU, the, the uh, Big 12 championship. And then I watched his game against Ohio State. Then I watched his cut-ups against Nick Bosa, who is one of the better defensive ends. So I'll watch in a lot of – I'll watch in different manners too. I mean, sometimes I'll just focus on, okay, I just want to see his run plays or I just want to see his pass plays or I just want to see him against this player. Because a lot of times I don't really want to see Orlando Brown Jr. against a lower level of competition. And so I'll try and pick the games in which he faced better competition, uh, using him as an example. And so there'll be probably probably two to three games for most guys that I'll that I want to see.
0: Is there a position group that that you need more games to make that assessment? Well, you know, like trickier, trickier. Like I I would think a quarterback because yeah,
1: quarterbacks can be tricky. There's so much
0: variation from game to game,
1: and variation in the offense too, and scheme, and that that the quarterbacks get tough because now. Now, I will say what's, what's helped What's helped is that, and Andy Reid said this, he said the NFL is probably about five to seven years behind college football as far as, like, innovation, especially offensively, et cetera. And he said that probably two, three years ago. And now we're starting to see some of the innovation filter up. Absolutely. And yeah. you obviously see it here in Houston. saw it in Philadelphia. see it in Kansas City. So you start to see some of the innovation. And so it's becoming a little bit easier to – to look at the quarterbacks and and forecast them, because now you're forecasting him into offenses they're at least accustomed to. Whereas you would take a guy like Deshaun, and everybody was saying, well, heck, if he goes to Houston, are you going to project him into that Houston offense? Well, then the offense started to change to mold itself around Deshaun. It's like, well, yeah, he fits that offense now. Did he fit the other one? Maybe not hand in glove, but there were still concepts that they were running that he was going to be able to run. But I think the projection becomes a little bit easier because you're seeing some of the same uh, schemes and some of the ske- same usage of quarterbacks in college now a- in the NFL. So which, it's getting which is developing. it getting easier now it's to a little, evaluate? It's a little bit easier from that standpoint, but quarterbacks are always going to be the most difficult because it's just the most important position on the field.
0: See, uh, I would think offensive linemen would be tough because I've heard a lot of conversations about how – what an offensive lineman is expected to do in college is not the same as the Correct. NFL, and the learning curve is so much more. And then after the CBA without the two-a-days and you know all that contact with pads, yeah. they just don't get that real-life, real-time experience. Yeah. So is, is it harder to project I, what, it, what an offensive lineman would look like? In the yeah,
1: NFL? to a degree. And, it, and what's funny about that is I think there are some NFL teams that are maybe changing what they're looking for in offensive linemen because they are running those particular offenses now.
0: This is one question that I've always had. I would think film study is the best way to evaluate a player because it's a bigger body of sure, work. It's absolutely. them in a real game. But then you've got the, the combine, which I don't think a lot of people put too much stock in. But I want to talk to you about if a player has a really, really good performance yeah. or a really, really bad performance, how much that changes your Harris 100. And then pro days. Yeah. Because we just finished a bunch of pro days. I think they're all done now, right? Yeah, they're all pretty they're much all done. Wrapped I
1: up. think LSU's was on Tuesday, and I think that was the last one, I believe.
0: How – what's – what is more telling to you a pro day or the combine because everyone I, I hear the knock against both and the mm-hmm. knock against pro day is that they 're doing what they 're most comfortable right. doing what the players are most comfortable doing yeah. it with, and it's all it 's right. all rehearsed right so to speak
1: yeah yeah that, that's you're, you're right this is essentially what pro day is the the difference The difference in pro day and a combine is is just that at the combine you 're in an uncomfortable setting're you 're doing all these interviews or' asking you whatever kind of questions and you're in that you you do the 32 medical uh visits you do all these different things that you're probably not going to do at a pro day for the most part you're in an uncomfortable setting in lucas oil stadium so you've never been there you're running on a on a track and we've been on that turf at lucas oil oh it's it's, like walking on concrete yeah it's not it's not the greatest a little bit
0: of turf on top of it
1: yeah and so and there's so much pressure on those particular days so, to me, if you compete at the combine in that setting and then you compete well, that I think speaks better than you going to your pro day. Is that right? At your pro day. Because, like you said, at your pro day, you're, you're much more comfortable. I think what happens but is the, problem the, expe- th- the expectations change for your pro day. For example, I was going to say, Teddy, day- Teddy
0: Bridgewater is the example I think of the most from pro day.
1: Right. Of well, having a
0: bad pro day well, and how much th- that affected his stock.
1: But what did you do at the combine? I don't even remember. <laughs> exactly, he did nothing, and that's the thing. Okay, that well, I choose, remember him talking. If you choose not, yeah. if you choose not to do anything at the combine, then you better. Oh, blow I see. It, You know what? Up on Pro Day, he
0: didn't do anything at the combine. Mm-mm. Was he recovering? From
1: no an, I, I don't believe you know? so but he might he might have been I mean that's the thing some of these guys are recovering maybe he from had things. something we, going
0: on yeah, I remember he had know. the heart he had some sort of heart issue that delayed everything for him it may have been that they were evaluating. Hurston,
1: Michigan is dealing with that this year but that's the thing if you decide for, for whatever reason whether it's injury which is sort of this the is made for you by your agent more or less or you just decide I'm not doing it for example to that point Sam Darnold went to the combine Sam did not throw. Everybody wanted to see him throw. Right. And they're not – look, they're throwing, you know, elementary routes. Pretty, you know, pretty easy. Speed outs, deep balls, corner routes. I mean, they're throwing pretty easy stuff. Dig routes, nothing that isn't in a in any NFL team's uh, route tree. So, they're just – they're making probably, I don't know, 20 throws, maybe a little bit more than that. Probably about 30 throws. That's it. That's all they're making. But Sam Darnold decided – Not going to do it. I'm going to throw it pro day. So at that point, there's sort of this pressure of, all right, did Sam not want to compete against those quarterbacks? What is it? Then he went to his pro day, had a really good pro day. Because he didn't do the combine, but he did end up doing a pro day. He got some good run from that, some good hype from that, and and good for him. Basically, as people will say, he checked the boxes. But if you're not going to do anything at combine, then your pro day becomes hugely important. And then if you don't do well at your pro day, it's like, okay, Question marks. So, right. Why didn't he throw at the combine? Oh, maybe this is why. Hmm, maybe there's something there. And then this is what happens to me in the, in the combine, the pro day process, and I think this happens for scouts. And I can give you a good example of one. There was a player, I don't give too much away, but there was a player from a, from a university here in Texas, and he was not well-known. It was a small school. Went to the combine, blew it up on the 40. Blew it up. And an area scout for NFC team was like, I didn't even know this guy. But then he runs a 4-3-something, and he's like, okay, I got to go do my homework on this guy. So then goes back, does his homework, likes what he sees, calls him, wants a private workout, gets a private workout, blown away even more, pushes the team, hey, draft this guy. They end up drafting him in a, I don't know, fourth or fifth round, whatever he is, he ended up having a couple of good years before he got injured. So that's essentially what it does. A guy with a good combine will force a team that maybe had a low grade. Hey, wait a 2nd take here's, – here's a better example from this year. Leighton Vander Esch is a linebacker from Boise State. I
0: thought that was a fancy way of saying Vander Mock 3. Maybe,
1: maybe so, but he's probably related to Vandermeer in some way. <laughs> but Leighton Vander Esch, he, he didn't – he was red-shirted and then played a little bit as a freshman. As a sophomore, he started the first six games, but then he got hurt. And so he didn't play the rest of that year. So coming into his junior year, nobody really knew about him, and he ended up just killing it. Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year, six two, in the program it's at six two two forty, but you could tell he could run. He was smooth. I mean, really good athlete. I mean, I flipped on the very first game of his because I want because I'm hearing about this guy from from just you know Boise State's winning. This guy's making plays, and I'm like, okay, I got to do some studying on this guy. And this was before the this is well before the combine, and I'm like, holy crap. This guy can run, he can hit, he does. Ev- he just does everything really well. But he was kind of off people's radar screens for a while. Well, he goes to the combine. Now he's 6'3", 250, 256. He runs in the 4'7 range. His testing is off the charts. He just looks athletic in everything that he does. I guarantee you there were some teams going, man, we got a third or fourth-round grade on this guy. We got to go back and look at this. And when you go back and you look at him, you realize there are still some holes in his game because he didn't. he's only played really a year and a half, if that. He was a former basketball player. He was a quarterback, I think, coming out of high school. And he's still got some room to get better. But as a linebacker, those are the kind of guys you want in the NFL. And all of a sudden, his name has become hot. He's taken visits really anywhere. Anybody look for an inside linebacker, he's really now at the top of the list. Because if you're not going to get Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith, you're probably looking at Late Vander Ash, right? or Rashawn yeah. Evans. And so he was the guy that I I would guarantee after the combine, there were probably some there were probably some GMs personnel people saying we need to study him a little bit more.
0: Is he the guy on your on your Harris 100 that jumped the most after the combine? Well, you
1: know it's funny with because I remember one, you saying
0: Shaquem Griffin. Yeah, you, at one point didn't have him on, and then he blew yeah, it up at the Senior Bowl. You
1: know, Shaquem was just you know when I do this as a I'm I'm my own I write everything I edit everything. I just forgot to put Shaquem on there the first time. So I felt sort of bad about that. Okay. But I, But it wasn't but necessarily
0: I, a matter of he surprised everybody right. so much that – Because well, he did. He had an outstanding combine.
1: I think the four three eight still surprised people. I think people were expecting –
0: I think it surprised know. him and as did the bench press, obviously. Everyone knows the story. Yeah. He doesn't have the second hand. He has to have a prosthetic. Yeah. And just not – the that entire crowd was cheering him on.
1: Oh, it was amazing to at watch. At I mean, it was really – it was really cool uh, to watch all that. But.
0: All right. I want to just remind people real quick. If you're listening, don't forget to subscribe to deep slant on iTunes, tune in or stitcher, leave a review on that note, Johnny, I want to ask you about, I guess self-scouting is the word I'm looking for. Self-scouting yourself, self-scouting self old Paris 100s. The story just came out. I don't know if you saw it. It's on CBS sports. There's a story like this every year where they redraft, oh, yeah. uh, the 2017 those. NFL draft. I love those. And, uh, no shocker who goes number one overall to the Browns. Yeah. It's Deshaun Watson. Uh the Texans actually That the Texans taking Dan Feeney, an old lineman instead.
1: So do they have the Texans staying at twenty five? Yes. Yeah. That makes So sense. he was Dan a third Feeney rounder. Was, Dan Feeney was a guy that I had I had targeted for the Texans. You did? Yeah, because I thought the Texans would go offensive line. I didn't think they'd take Feeney at twenty five, but I thought they might be able to take him aside. He was round. one of the
0: he was the top one of the top rookie offensive linemen in the NFL last year.
1: Yeah, he was um, – do you have the list in front of you? I can pull it up. Rifle through the top ten if you have it. Because, yeah, Deshaun going first to Cleveland. I think everybody knows. I mean, we st- we were heck, we were talking about the week of the Cleveland game, how much Cleveland had missed on Deshaun. Now, Cleveland I, – I think Cleveland gets it right at the quarterback position. Cleveland could end up being a player here before too long. Poor
0: Miles Garrett. All right, Deshaun at number one, the Chicago Bears –
1: and number two, probably, still pick
0: Mitch Trubisky.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. You get your you get your franchise quarterback or the guy they think they is. I I think they have the, I,
0: the 49ers Then take Miles Garrett.
1: Oh man, Miles Garrett with San San Francisco would have been how about f- scary? How
0: about Jacksonville? They took Leonard Fournette, Fournette still. Still Fournette. Yeah, still Tennessee. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore.
1: Yeah, Tennessee needs a, needed a corner. I mean, they had to go out and pay for Malcolm Butler. Um, Marshawn Lattimore would have fit. Thank God he ended up in new Orleans. Oh. oh, no, I will say Corey Davis. I was my very, my very first mock that I did in, in 2017. I had the Titans taking Corey Davis at number five. I, I love Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis, if healthy is going to end up being Tennessee's DeAndre Hopkins. And Ooh, that, that, that that's not good. Me. Yeah. I, All I right. love him.
0: The jets. This is surprising. They picked uh safety Jamal Adams and they would redraft him again. Yeah.
1: Jamal's a player. Jamal's a big time player. He, huh. he was he was the right guy. I think with pick. all the
0: Jets' quarterback issues, I'm surprised they wouldn't have them taking quarterback last year.
1: Yeah, but I, the only thing I would have said I would have said there was Patrick Mahomes, but because yeah.
0: seeing what you've seen now, I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson, and now you see the Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City's all in on him, and we yeah. saw what he did in the preseason. So it's yeah. not like you didn't have a little taste of what he could do. But I'm surprised he's not being taken here. Okay, the Chargers.
1: I think only because he just didn't play last year, so they just don't have a body of work. That's, that's about, true. That's about. The I mean, I game. just remember
0: in the preseason. I mean, it's preseason is preseason, but still, he was, he was lighting it up. Yeah. Uh, Chargers Ryan Ramsick, offensive oh, tackle. Oh, was he Ramchick, played
1: Ramchick, my was, Yeah, that was one of the guys that I had targeted for the Texans. Uh, at if they stayed at twenty five,
0: I remember that.
1: Yeah, Ramchick and, and Garrett Bowles. Were we the two were all guys. looking
0: at offensive linemen mm-hmm. last year. Garrett Bowles was the the guy from Utah. That.
1: Yep.
0: His Wonderlick was bad, but. I was really impressed with him yeah. when, when he spoke at the combine. All right, the Panthers, Alvin Kamara.
1: Oh, Alvin Kamara with Cam Newton, shut it down. They would have been That's finished. really scary. And I think the, the thing is, the philosophy of Christian McCaffrey at eight, for them, uh, it, it was okay. I mean, he got look, a lot more buzz. Christian McCaffrey had 80-plus 80, 80 catches last year, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. But for for any position, much less a running back, but I just don't think they get the running back – bang for their buck they would have gotten with Camara
0: all right Bengals Ruben Foster
1: yeah the back instead of John Ross "They, who, they got nothing out of he John was one Ross. of
0: those he was one of those guys that just lit it up at the combine with the 40
1: literally nothing from John Ross last and year then that was no it. catches now Ruben <laughs> Foster Ruben Foster and Vontez Berfic together in Cincinnati Ooh. would have ended somebody's career somebody's career would have been ended because those those guys are just pains in the backside But man, you put them. I was gonna say, I don't know. I don't know
0: if that's a good thing off the field to put those two guys together with their issues. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs had the tenth pick from Buffalo. They would still redraft Patrick Mahomes.
1: So those are top ten. That's right. That's that's the right thing to do. Yeah,
0: and I, you know what, I actually looked up the uh, AFC South. So the Titans. Okay, we we talked about the Titans. We talked about the Jags, the Colts. uh, Solomon Thomas instead of Malik Hooker. I guess they want to keep their Stanford Um, guys together. They do need some pass I, I rush. Know. Willie Cooker wasn't bad for them. All right, so Deshaun Watson goes number one overall to the Browns. What did everybody miss on Deshaun Watson last year? Because if you go back and look at your old you, drafts – I'm going to give it to you. Give one, it to me. i
1: you one play.
0: There were a lot of people saying we don't understand how he's not the top quarterback taken. and That's and, what I
1: said. I, he was the top, he was top quarterback on my board. I and had, his own
0: coach came out and said he was the Michael Jordan, and coaches do not – we've seen college funny. coaches – Jim Mora coming out and talking about I plays. asked
1: I asked Dabo about this. I, I asked him, and he said, he said, John, I just didn't have any other way to tell people what they'd be missing. And I was like, listen, listen grown up, you and I are the same age. I said, "Grown up, our demographic, you threw the name Michael Jordan out there, he goes, I it know. It means something. Yeah, I know. It definitely
0: means something.
1: But I didn't know how to tell everybody what they'd be missing. He's like, you can only use so many flowery adjectives about a particular player.
0: He must have been beside <laughs> himself Seeing all these teams pass on him, and then he actually, I, I believe, said right after the draft, all those teams that passed on him are going to regret it. Oh yeah, and they. they so tell out. me what. Tell me what everybody missed.
1: It's one play, it's one, it's one play, and it was against Pitt. They lost that game forty-three to forty-two. And in that game, Deshaun had three interceptions, and Pitt. Or I'm sorry, uh, I can't remember if Pitt was ahead or Clemson. I think Clemson had a lead, a small lead, on Pitt. And they had the ball down inside the ten yard line, and they rolled Deshaun out. And Deshaun was rolling to his right, and then threw one of the worst interceptions I've seen a college quarterback throw. Like, watch that plane and it went. That's just it was not indicative of the player that Deshaun was, and so it really just stood out. Like, why? And on top of that, and this is this is how I can see the snowball sort of sort of going for Deshaun. He had the ACL tear. You know, he looked like he was back from that and had a good year in 2015. But, you know, how good was he really in 2016, even though they won a championship? You know, he had a lot of touchdowns, but the interceptions, the interceptions bothered people. And that one in particular, it's like, look at the decision making. His decision making just isn't there. Mm -hmm. Like, what's he doing? He threw that in a triple coverage inside the 10-yard line. Pitt gets the ball, goes down the field game but what about all the two.
0: throws that he made against alabama like know, does that not but, but does that not compensate
1: problem. that that's the thing people people saw that and they thought because he had done that to alabama the year before that well there was it, a I, little I, bit I of know. an advantage I, I don't i don't honestly i don't know DP. i don't know why people didn't i'm fascinated that. by
0: why but w- why, like every but i wonder if it's just but a matter of over, over 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 analyzing overthinking sure
1: there's, there's no question Here's the thing I think people missed about that Alabama game, and I and I went back and um, I studied that. I actually wrote this for one of my breakfast articles. That defense that Deshaun faced when he when he uh, well both defenses actually, but over the course of 2015 and 2016, the players on the 2015 defense for Alabama, 2016 defense for Alabama. combined, and I'm I'm projecting a few guys because you had Minka Fitzpatrick on that defense, you had Deron Payne on that defense, you had Ronnie Harrison on that defense. Those two defenses that he beat had something like six first-rounders, 11 second-rounders, and three, I can't remember what it is, maybe four third-rounders.
0: Your point being it's probably the closest to an NFL-type defense. Right. Right. caliber so, talent wise so to me that that, face.
1: I realized that right away so it's like because my whole thought going in is right. I want to see this guy gets the best competition now it's not as if Pitt is not great competition and I think that's probably what that that did baffle me a little bit like why 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 the interceptions that that kind of threw me off why the interceptions that's that's bothering me that's getting to me but why somebody looked at Mitchell Trubisky in one year and went that's my that's, guy. That's and we're going to trade, trade up. up a spot to, instead of Deshaun Watson. I, I was, was, I was. What, it blew my mind.
0: Was the expectation too high at the combine? Because I don't remember there being as much talk about Deshaun Watson at the combine.
1: Well, what happened as there was about
0: the other quarterbacks? Here is one of the
1: things that came out of the combine, which I thought was pretty interesting. When they measured, when they measured the throws at the combine, and they measured by RPMs, uh, by miles per hour. He His miles per hour was 49 miles an hour, which was the lowest of all the quarterbacks. I do
0: remember that, yeah. But
1: what was interesting was they did a documentary of Deshaun. It was like a 20, 25-minute documentary. And one of the things Jordan Palmer said – Throw a catchable ball. Make sure they make sure catch your the accuracy ball. is is good. So coming out of the combine, when people saw that, they were like, "Oh, that means his arm strength's not very good." I mean, people jumped all over that. So, but shouldn't Jordan
0: a- Palmer know better? No,
1: <laughs> well, no, no, no. Jordan Palmer was. <laughs> what well, right. do you think
0: that advice no. was? Good advice. Jordan
1: Palmer was right. You throw you throw the catchable ball. You you make your receivers look good. You're throwing completions. The ball stays off the ground. People aren't going to people aren't going to care that much about arm strength. But what ended up happening was kind of the draft Twitter world went nuts and said, well, he doesn't have a strong arm, oh, and, and he the throws interceptions, interceptions, and yeah. the decision-making that leads to those interceptions, those are not good. And so they just went bang, bang, bang. And so it was it was kind of that. That was what people got fixated on. But I kept coming back to when the game's on the line right. or there is a game on the line, there's one guy with the ball in his hands. And that there's got to be something at some point that you have to step back as a... What I've learned about myself is, as a as somebody that likes to scout these players and, and, and does it as a semi-living, there's got to be something. You can't just – it can't just be the 40 times. It can't just be the measurable stuff. It can't just be the intangibles. It can't just be all the production. There's got to be something that you look at and go, this is it. And for me, for when it comes to quarterbacks, I think about that a lot. If I got one game to win, which of these guys would I want With my life on the line, my job is on the line, and which guy would I entrust to save my job with a win? And to me, that was Deshaun Watson, and I kept coming back to that. Now, I had Mahomes closely behind him, like maybe two spots in Harris 100. I had Mitchell Trubisky down at the bottom. I had him at 31. He was barely in the first round. I
0: remember you said something interesting about Mahomes in your Harris 100. You said, or maybe you said this to me, it might have been both, but you said that he likes to sort of color outside the lines, yeah, my which, which might be difficult for coaches to handle. But now knowing what this coaching staff is able to do with the mm-hmm. offense, how do, think, how do you think that changes how you're going to scout players from now on?
1: Well, I think
0: – Obviously, you're not going to need to scout quarterbacks, hopefully, for a very long right. time to come. But well, does that know, translate to other positions as well?
1: Well, I'll tell you what Deshaun has taught me. especially. Look, there are, there are probably five quarterbacks going into this draft. That will go in the first round. The six would be Mason Rudolph. He might sneak in the first. I doubt it. But the way that it's sort of evolved for me is three years ago when Josh Rosen was at St. John Bosco as a high school senior, I remember watching him on TV and I went, he'll be the number one pick in the 2018 draft. He will be number one because he looks the part. He is the part. He throws so effortlessly. He's going to be number one. I mean, I almost went to my 2018 list and went Josh Rosen number one. He's not number one. Because over the years, what I've seen is the NFL adapting a little bit more to, to playmaking quarterbacks. And to me, in this league, you've got to be able to make plays. And watching Deshaun do that last year, watching him at New England when four guys beat our offensive line and he beats all four of them and then flips out to Deontay Foreman, and I'm like, we don't. there are, there are very few quarterbacks that could have done that. The quarterback that you have to have, and some of that has to do with offensive line. Now you're not getting, you're not getting Dwayne Browns anymore. You're not getting Walter Joneses and Orlando Paces. You're not getting those guys. You're getting these guys that play in these fast up tempo offenses. They're not have, they're not, they're not forced to pass protect for five, seven step drops. It's pass protect, pass protect. All right, get on down the field for the next play. So, so now the NFL is adapting to that. But what they're also adapting to is at the quarterback position, you've got to be able to make plays off script and I thought Mahomes could do that very well I thought Deshaun could do that and Deshaun showed that last year when he had that opportunity he showed that he could make plays when there are three guys about to sack him the deep throw to to Will Fuller for the touchdown they run a stunt up front and one guy doesn't get picked up and he's coming clean on Deshaun that's a sack for 28 of the other NFL quarterbacks and he brushes them aside with the left hand, slides up in a pocket. Oh, there's Will. I'm throwing it deep. So those are the things that I start looking for now in a quarterback because these guys, if they're going to get drafted high, they're probably not going behind an offensive line like the Dallas Cowboys. They're not going behind the best offensive line in the game. They've got to be able to make plays. And so when you talk to some of the old guard analysts, Bill Polian types, they're going to put Josh Rosen 1. They're going to put Josh Allen 2. They're going to put Sam Darnold three. They're going to put Baker four and Lamar Jackson five. Well, I got it reversed. I do have Sam Darnold at one.
0: Because I, have, I think it's because you've seen it firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. What it can, what, what no a difference question. it can make to your entire team, your absolutely. entire offense. And so is, a guy that can move. so
1: is Philadelphia. Yeah. So is Dallas. I mean, those teams have all seen it. Uh, even Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was not drafted because he could make play, But how many plays does Aaron Rodgers make? I mean, we saw him with a bum hamstring making plays in Green Bay in 2016 against us. So, to me, making plays, as long as you combine that with the ability to throw, you got an opportunity. you got an opportunity, I think, to thrive in the new NFL going forward, and that's what Deshaun is doing. And I'm curious to see what this offense will look like, but but that's how I, I've got Sam Darnold one, I've got Baker two, I've got Lamar Jackson three, Josh Allen four, and Rosen five. And yet I think all five of them can do different things on the field. I think all five of them will have some success, but – but I think that give me Lamar Jackson because I can make plays with that guy. I can put a lot of fear. Defensive coordinators fear a guy that can do things off schedule because then they've got a plan for all these different things that, oh, well, if you've got a straight drop back passer, well, he can hurt me on these throws, these throws, these throws, but these blitzes are all going to get there. But what they do have to figure out is for a guy like Lamar Jackson or even Baker Mayfield, if we bring this blitz and he beats it, uh-oh, what do we do? Yeah, it causes it
0: causes like a split second of hesitation from defenders, and in a game where the speed is like you got the J.J. Watts and the clownies who are so fast.
1: There's no question. You need to
0: take every every split second that you can, Johnny. When is uh, version 2.0? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but it'll be
1: out. It'll be out soon. Soon? I don't know. Yeah, that's the only thing I know. I've I've let Anav do her work.
0: Give Give me one highlight from version 2.0.
1: Well, I think I've put in a, probably about five or a surprise five to seven new players. I've oh, mentioned okay. Leighton Vander Esch. You know, it's funny because Leighton Vander Esch, I actually put in version one. I'm putting him like I think it was at forty, and I was like, I already feel like putting him at forty is too low. I knew I knew in version one it was too low, so I've moved him up significantly. Okay. Um, obviously, Orlando Brown has dropped, but I don't think dropped as much as everybody might ha- have expected. Um, but I think for the most part, there's no change at the top. Um, at, at number two a little bit, a Fitzpatrick fell just a little bit, um, but number one is still Quentin Nelson. Number two, a um, pretty good running back out of Penn State is at number two. So uh, those are some of the things. But, you know, start looking at the offensive tackles and some of the offensive linemen and some of the tight ends that are in that group and some of the corners um, as you start getting ready for uh, the NFL draft in late April. Sounds Sorry. good. I had a thought in my head.
0: Sounds good. Thank you so much for – a great addition i've always wanted to know what goes into the harris 100 because we see it we see the end result it looks like a lot of games and a lot of talent that you got to evaluate to get to that point but you know what we'll be looking forward to version 2.0 as always and uh that is your bible uh so to speak when draft well, day you, comes so thank you so much johnny uh that's going to do it for us deep Plant podcast i'm db Sidhu thanks so much for listening and go texans